You're listening to audio from Kingsway Christian Church. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit kingswaychurch.org. Good morning, everybody. Was that a good video? Some of you are like, no, I don't like that. I don't want to go here. Hey, we want to welcome you for visiting with us today. Maybe you went to the movie the other night or you're just checking us out for some reason. Maybe you're online either this morning or later on down in the road. We're really glad you're here. We're kicking off a series called The Tip of the Iceberg. <clears throat> the whole concept of The Tip of the Iceberg is that there's roughly 80 to 90% of the iceberg sitting below the surface. Did you know that? That's why, in fact, on April the 15th, 1912, anybody know an important thing that happened that day? A certain large boat called the Titanic was four days into her maiden voyage from Southampton to New York City when it ran into a massive iceberg. 2,200 people are on board. Roughly 700 or so got off. 1,500 people died. It is considered one of the greatest maritime disasters of all time, and it's because of this. And here's our concept for this whole series. There's a whole lot of stuff going on beneath the surface of your lives, but we all see and deal with this part. And so consequently, a whole bunch of stuff isn't getting dealt with, but needs to. Make sense? So this is going to be really fun and uncomfortable for everybody throughout the series. Keep coming back. We will not be able to share everything you desperately need to know, but we want to give little nuggets of wisdom. So there's two different kinds of series we do at Kingsway. So if you're visiting with us, one series is like just Bible study. We want to open up a text or a book. We want to dig in. We want to talk about the Greek and the Hebrew and the history and the culture and what's happening and why is it relevant today. This kind of series is different. It's a little more topical based. And what we want to do is we want to take this kind of concept. We're using this as our analogy and say, look, the Bible has wisdom for your everyday life related to this. And so we're going to do it. But here's the thing. You're going to be tempted throughout the series to be elbowing your spouse or your kids or texting and be like, you really need to go online and listen to Pastor Matt's sermon because it's going to be great for everybody else in your life. <laughs> the implication is that it isn't great for you. Oh, I don't need it. Oh, I already know all of this. No, you don't. No, you don't. And the reason I know you don't is because I don't know all of this. I'm still struggling and seeing and realizing the depths of all of this because here's when it comes out. You ready? When you're tired, when you're stressed, when you've had a little too much to drink, whatever the situation might be, you let your guard down and all of a sudden that filter that exists right here on the end of your mouth where you normally think to yourself, oh, I shouldn't make that comment. I shouldn't tell that joke. I probably shouldn't go there in a conversation. I probably shouldn't ask that question. I probably shouldn't. But sooner or later, you get tired, you get stressed, your guard comes down, and all of a sudden, blah, there it is. And everybody else is like, whoa, dude, where did that come from? And you can always tell you did it because everybody's eyes go, oh. So that's how they feel about that. Have you been there? Am I the only one? Clearly, I'm not the only one, right? This is what we call in like pastoral counseling. We joke with each other. It's like, change your face when you're sitting in a, in a conversation with somebody and they, bleh, and they do it and you go, change your face, hurry, change your face. So they don't, you don't look as shocked as you really are that they just said or did what they just said or did because you don't want them to feel uncomfortable. But the reality is this is making a lot of people uncomfortable, but it's there and it's real. And what we want to do is help you figure out what to do with it. So Proverbs chapter four, verse 23, this is one of our verses for the whole series, but we're going to talk about today. And in the, in the Proverbs, it says this, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. 
Now, in America, in today's day and age, we're very well aware of science and that our brain is the place where we process information, we make decisions, and then we act upon them, right? And the heart is just this muscle that pumps blood out through our body and brings it back and back out and brings it back. However, we all understand exactly what the writer of Proverbs is saying, right? Back in ancient Hebrew and then also in Jesus' day in the Greek culture, the heart was actually the place where we tend to think of the brain. The heart was the place where decisions were made, actions were performed, uh, will was decided. And you know what this is like, right? Because today, one of the famous mantras of the day is just follow your heart. Oh, and ladies, Hallmark movies are beginning soon. (laughs) Well, they will show you over and over and over again how to follow your heart in the same formula for every episode. So over the last few weeks, I was out of town, and I just want to stop. Can you just help me real quick, say a quick thank you to Matt Reagan, who came and spoke last week. Did a phenomenal job, didn't he? Matt's a Timothy from our church. That's a Bible way of saying Matt grew up here. This was home church. He has a lot of family and friends here. Just a phenomenal job. Matt and I went to school together, and I was always jealous of Matt because of something in my heart, right? What's going on below the surface here? Anyway, because Matt was just such a great man, so gifted, so talented. I'm so glad he came and gave me a Sunday off. But I got to go on a week of vacation with my family up in Ohio, and then I went on a spiritual retreat with four other pastors that uh, I began a relationship with three years ago, and this is the last year of it, and my heart is sad because of it, but it was just a great chance to get away and be poured into. So Friday, I'm catching a last-minute taxi because Southwest has canceled my flight to go from Naples to Cleveland where I'm going to pick up my family and drive home. And so I'm rushing, and this guy comes to get me, and he's got this thick accent. He said his hometown is from El Salvador originally, but he's been in the States a long time, and there's nobody else in this van except for the two of us, and he is a Christian. And I'm like, thank God. Okay, so 45 minutes in the car, though, I got his best sermon ever. So he's basically <laughs> preaching to me, and I'm like, okay, this is fine. At one point, he starts getting really really passionate. And what's going through my head is something's going on below the surface. And he starts to throw down and he says, and I want to say to all the young people today, do not listen to Hollywood. They don't know what they're talking about. And then he threw out some four letter words and I'm like, oh, oh, okay. He's very passionate about this. And I said, well, why are you so passionate about this? And he said, because Hollywood today will tell you, follow your heart. Do not follow your heart. Do not follow your heart. Your heart is deceitful above all else. It will ruin you. Do not follow your heart. Because if you follow your heart, that person that you marry, when they are crazy, you will find out that if you follow your heart, you will leave them every single time. And I was like, you go, brother. Like, I'm going to bring you out to my church. Like, you throw down with my people. Like, yes. But y'all married crazy. My wife married crazy, so don't feel bad. I didn't marry crazy. Um, The reality is, though, while my brother in the taxi is right, Hollywood puts out this message and they say, follow your emotions. The reality is the Bible's been saying this for a really long time. You're going to follow your heart. Your heart, biblically speaking, is the place where you will make decisions about life. So therefore, guard it. Guard it. Everything you do is flowing out of it. So you better be careful that your heart is leading you where it needs to go and not in the wrong direction. And what I want to do over these next few weeks is just help you get some wisdom about how do I make sure that my heart is flowing in the right direction? And it's not an easy thing to do. I love the way that Andy Stanley says this in his book, Enemies of the Heart. There's the book. Highly recommend the book. You ought to buy it, you ought to read it, and you ought to do the things in it. I'm just going to give you some quotes from the book today that I thought were helpful. He says this, every arena of life intersects what's going on in our hearts. 
everything passes through on its way to wherever it's going. Everything. And here's my first suggestion to you today. You have many, many signs of what's going on below the surface inside you. Because when you're most tired, when you're most stressed, when your guard is most down, however that comes to you, it comes out anyway. Jesus says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what is in here will come out of here. So if you try to stop things here at your mouth, sooner or later, when your guard is down, it's coming out anyway. It's just flowing out of you. Which is why I think it's fascinating that on April the 14th, 1912, the Titanic received six warnings of sea ice. But their pride prevented them from making significant changes. And what I don't want for you and what I don't want for us is that we let that become our story that our lives become shipwrecked because we ignored the warning signs that something big was coming. As Andy says in the book, just as Jesus predicted, what originates in the secret place won't always remain a secret. How do we guard? Or maybe it would be more appropriate to say guard against our hearts. How do we monitor what's going on in that secret place that has the potential to go public at any moment? This past week, uh, I was at a pastor's retreat. Again, as I told you, I, I committed three years to these four other pastors from around the United States. And we sign a covenant with each other that we won't talk about the things that are talked about at the group because we need a safe place to be human. We need a safe place to talk about the things that are in our heart, the arrows that the enemy has shot at us to try to weaken us, wound us, and take us down. And so I'm gonna share a couple things vaguely but so that you couldn't pinpoint any specific thing or person because it was amazing to me how every time we come together, what we do is we each get a block of time. We always start with a devotion, then in that next set of time, like we each get a separate set of time. And like you, basically you get an hour or two if you need it to just share what's going on in your life and in your ministry. And then the rest of the group gets to ask you questions about what they just heard. And we're praying and we're inviting God into the place and saying, Lord, these other men in this group, they, they have you inside them and I need what you have placed in them because I have a blind spot and I just don't know it. In fact, one of the guys at the retreat were talking about blind spots and he said, I don't have any blind spots because I can't see them. <laughs> Do you see the irony? But see, your blind spot comes out in a moment where you're tired or stressed and it hurts or wounds or sets off other people in a group around you and all of a sudden your blind spot's out there and you need other people who are looking at your blind spots and going, did you know that when you do these things, they're really annoying? Did you know that when you talk about this, I hear something in the way you're saying it that's not healthy? And so we're sitting around and we each get our time. 
And one of my friends is sharing some stuff, and he's sharing about a particularly hard change going on in ministry. I just want to be clear, this is not a third-person perspective like Bob Dole says. I'm not, like some of you don't even know that joke. But anyway, I'm not talking about me through the lens of somebody else. This is one of my, so you don't need like send me an email. Oh, pastor, I hope that wasn't you. This isn't me. But he was making a hard change in the ministry that desperately needed to come in order for the ministry and the church to be better and to be healthier. And as you can imagine, sometimes church and change don't go well together. And so it was not a popular change. And this particular group that he was working with in this change, as he was talking about it with them and trying to navigate it with them, they stopped attacking the problem that they were trying to address, and they started attacking my friend. And he said, you know, about the first 10 comments they made, I could, I could handle it. Just like, ching, ching, you know, bounced off my armor, bounced off my shield. But then about the 11th one, that 12th one, it just found its way. That little weakness in the armor, and it hurt. And all of a sudden, he's not responding out of love and compassion and grace. He's now responding out of hurt and out of wound. And see, the reality is, we all have places in our life that hurt more than others. And when those things are touched on, so you could walk up right now and touch my arm. My arm doesn't hurt. But my shoulders, after golfing a few times last week, and I pulled a muscle while working out, and then I drove in the car from Cleveland to Indianapolis and got at 11.30 last night. The first thing I did when I came in the door, I tried to carry suitcases, and pain was running down my back and my arm, and I said, Rachel, I just gotta sit on some ice for a little bit. If you walk up at same amount of pressure right back here, I might love you, depending on where you touch. <laughs> like, oh yeah, keep touching there. But probably I'm gonna wince because it hurts today. You know what I'm talking about? Those places in your heart and in your life when certain conversations or certain comments come up and somebody touches right there, it's like, and everybody goes, what? what response was that? Because when that happens, you tend to respond in one of two major ways. There are some other ways you can respond that the two major ones are fight and flight. And when fight happens, watch out. Watch out. And see, other people don't know how to deal with that. Like, what just happened in this very moment? Or flight happens, and somebody goes, why is that person running away? I thought this was an important topic. I thought this was an important conversation. I thought this is what we needed to do, and this person's withdrawing. And see, the more aware you become, the more you start to see it, again, in other people, but hopefully, by God's grace, they'll be aware and see it in you. Uh, earlier this year, we started a book called The Advantage by a gentleman named Patrick Lencioni. If you've read leadership books, you maybe have heard of Patrick Lencioni. And we did this as a staff, and we've been working through this in our leadership team. And one of the early exercises we did was phenomenal. We just gave everybody a time in this one meeting and said, all right, it's your turn. Just share, share with us some of your story. You can share whatever you want, but the goal is to be vulnerable. And what was amazing to me is we went around the room. First of all, I sat there and thought, I work with the most amazing people in the world. I am so thankful for the staff that God has given us. But the other thing I thought is, as I learned people's stories, I literally sat there and thought, oh, that's why that person acts the way they do. When these issues come up, that explains so much. And when this thing happened that one time, oh, now I have a context for what they're doing. I have a background and understanding. So instead of me just getting frustrated and them getting frustrated at me. I don't know if you know this or not. I can frustrate people. Hi, my name is Matt Nickerson. I can frustrate people. I know that'll shock some of you. But now there's an understanding for why they do what they do. There's a gentleman by the name of Peter Scazzaro. 
And Peter led a large church, I can't remember, like three to 5,000 people in New York, New York City, New York. And uh, because of where he was located, people were coming in with all kinds of different backgrounds. He had people from Cambodia and people from Vietnam and people from Africa and some people from the United States. And he just had this smattering. But because of that, they all had these different backgrounds. And because they're different backgrounds, there are different cultural understandings. And Peter wrote a couple books, but one of the books he wrote called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. In that book, he talked about how um, he tries to minister to his church by helping them understand the things that have happened in their past and how they developed them today. And some of those things may be good, but some of them aren't. And that as we interact with other people, we've got to navigate those different components and pieces. Well, in the book, and he's talking specifically about the iceberg in this chapter, he talks about a meeting they had on their church staff. So their staff's probably double or triple our size, and how they had this one meeting. It was supposed to be a great, healthy, like strategic meeting looking to the future, and instead some things happened, and it got tense, and it got awkward. And he decided, hey, we're not going to push on like everything is okay. We're going to slow the ship down, so to speak, and we're going to back off for a second. And he brought in a friend of his to work with everybody. And they did like a retreat for a while where they just met together to talk through and work through it. And they worked through two very specific questions. These questions may be very helpful and insightful to you. The first question was this, what painful issues from our own histories got touched? So when you're in a moment and all of a sudden it's tense and it's awkward and it's heated, just stop maybe and ask yourself, try this today maybe with your spouse, your kids, your parents, your coworkers, your neighbors. Like what just happened in that moment? That when that thing happened, all of a sudden something in me got touched. Now it is also possible something in them got touched, but it's very difficult for you to look at them and say, you know, the reason I think you're mad at me right now is because, and they're thinking, buddy, the reason I'm mad at you is because I want to punch you in the face. Like... You're a jerk or whatever it is. So you've got to be able to reflect internally on yourself. What painful issue just happened? So last week when my friend was sharing some of the things going on in his church, again, we're all seeking the Holy Spirit. Like God, help us to love our brother and and help him maybe see the blind spot or see some things. And I just felt like God told me to ask him this important question that goes to this. Was there one particular comment that somebody made towards you that hurt more than any of the others? And there was, there was one, one very particular comment. And I think the reason that one comment hurt so much is because it went back to a place many, many years ago. It hurt deeply because of something from his childhood. Sometimes it just takes the right place, the right environment, a place where you could be safe, free, to discuss and dialogue and not have to play games and jump through hoops and fake your way through it. Do you have that place? Because if you don't, I gotta tell you as a pastor, my heart aches for you because I need that. But the second question that Peter said that they did with their staff is they asked this question, what could each of us have done differently? Like if you were to go back to that meeting where everything blew up, everybody's asked this question, what in me got so set off by what happened there? But then secondarily, what could each of us have done? So maybe instead of responding the way I normally respond, that tip of the iceberg kind of stuff, I'm finding out what's going on below the surface, but I'm starting to ask this question about what I might do different in the moment. How might I act differently? Maybe it might look like asking questions. Something like, hey, I heard you say this. Did I understand you correctly? What a great question. Or, you know, um, you said this, and I don't know that you know this, but that really hurts me. Because when you say that, here's what I hear you saying. And I don't know that you know that's how it comes across to me. 
And see, what happens far too often is we attack people instead of attacking problems. And we start attacking people instead of problems, we rarely ever find solutions. Have you noticed that? This is why that Jesus is so strong, that Jesus. This is why that Jesus is so strong, because he talks about not judging others, lest you be judged. And the goal isn't that we don't evaluate each other's lives. Like Paul draws on this in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, when he encourages us to judge other believers, not in a condemning, you're going to heaven, you're going to hell, what kind of way, but in a way that says, I don't know if you ha- know that you have this blind spot, but everybody else sees it and everybody else feels it. And when you do these things, man, I'm not so sure that's what Jesus would do in those moments. But to not judge lest you be judged to make sure that we're using the same standard of mercy that we all desperately need. In fact, about this very concept, Peter goes on to say they discussed all these different wounds from their past and the way that they felt from their childhood and that maybe, you know, when you were a kid, if you were abandoned in this moment, when somebody pulled away in the fight and made you feel abandoned or maybe made you feel rejected, you've been carrying this wound around for a long time. And he says, and I love this quote, he says, these emotions and thoughts become a part of the self-concept and the lens through which we see life. We unconsciously look to create and repeat these negative experiences, especially in more intimate relationships like marriage and the church. It leads to all kinds of gross misinterpretations and assumptions. The grace and love of Jesus Christ offers us safety and freedom. But it is only in taking the counterintuitive journey of letting down my defenses before others, as I did, he says, the last couple of weeks, that I realized my immense need to saturate myself in the gospel. I also realized afresh how much more remains within my own iceberg and my need for mercy. I don't know if you know this or not. I say this to our staff. I say this to other pastors and other churches. And I often have to look in the mirror and say it to this guy named Matt Nickerson. I need Jesus. Hi, my name is Matt Nickerson. I need Jesus. I'm a sinner saved by grace. And the hardest thing for every pastor to accept, so maybe you can understand, is I can't save anybody I can't fix anybody. I have a hard enough time trying to save and fix myself, and I can't seem to do that either. So I definitely can't save or fix you. But Jesus can. And I need him every hour. And I need thee, oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. What about you? Have you forgotten to preach the gospel to yourself that you need a savior, that you need a heart transformation, one that you can't come to on your own? So then what do we do? We just pray about it and it'll all go away. Look, when I was a teenager, I read many books, I heard many stories about teenagers who went to their pastors and their youth pastors looking for help with a very specific issue deep down in their heart and in their life and they would try to pray away the sin. And rarely did it work. And those people have been frustrated. Some have left the faith believing that Jesus didn't work. Because there's this balance between seeking God's face, but also how we actually live. So while this isn't everything I need to say on this subject, and I probably won't even get to say everything you need to say, which is why I'm going to keep pointing you to books, because it's going to be a lifelong journey. There's more to say, but I need to say a few things to give you some handles as you walk away today. 
I think the first handle actually comes in Proverbs chapter four, verse 24 to 27. It says this, keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. Remember the verses right before this, verse 23, it said, guard your heart. And then it says, guard your heart by looking at God and keeping your eyes fixed on him. Don't turn off to the right. Don't turn off to the left. Set straight paths for your feet. And the reason that it says it is, the reality is, while you guard your heart, the way that you do it is through what you take in, through your eyes, through your ears, through your mouth, through your hands. What you do with your body is how you guard your heart. It's not the only thing. There's more to say in the series, but it's the first thing. It's something. Years ago, when I was still young in my faith and struggling with this whole thing called faith, I became convicted by God that certain music that I was listening to was making my situation worse. And so I became convicted to get rid of certain uh, artists and certain music in my life because it was leading me away from him. And you know what I hate more than anything? Those songs are still trapped in my mind. Somebody could say a word, I could hear a beat on a TV, and certain extremely foul and offensive music is trapped up here. And if I'm not careful, guess where it comes out? I could be singing a song that is wildly inappropriate, and if you ever hear me doing it, you're gonna be like, wow, so that's how that pastor is. But at some point, I let it in, and it got in here, and now it's coming out. And this is hard, because this is a very fine line between legalism and iceberg. I don't want you to be a legalist, but I want you to realize that the movies that you see, the videos that you watch, the music that you listen to, the actions that you take, how you live your life, they're training your heart to become a person. And that person may or may not be the person you've been trying to become. As Andy Stanley says in the book, Enemies of the Heart, I think he says it very, very well. He says, my son, that, that's, not, that's the wrong part, sorry. He says, it takes a habit to break a habit. You could pray every day for a generous heart, but until you start acting in that direction, nothing's going to change. Now, in his book, generosity is just one of the four subjects that he tackles, but his point is the same for all of them. You could stop wanting to be angry, but until you do something to stop being angry, you're going to keep being angry. Sooner or later, your filter is going to break until a change occurs inside you. So we were coming from Cleveland, Ohio to Indianapolis, and I told my wife, this is yesterday, I told her, I said, honey, I want to enjoy my family the last day, and I don't want to be that family that is crazy stressed and yelling at each other as we're trying to load the car and get everybody out the door. And if you know those families, don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. You might be talking about your spouse, all right? The crazy people like, we got to get out of the car. We got to get there. We got to get there. And they're yelling and screaming at everybody. It was like, wow, this is a great vacation, dad. So glad we came. I didn't want to be that dad. So I said, we'll leave when we leave. Like, I'll play with the kids, you pack these things, you play with the kids, I'll pack these things, when we go, we go. Let's just enjoy my parents and enjoy this last day. Except for that meant leaving at 4.30 in the afternoon, and it's a six to seven hour drive with little kids. And my kids were worn out. It'd been two weeks out of town, one of them without dad. They were just tired and stressed. And there came a point at the stop on the trip, and my kids were having a hard time, which consequently was leading to me having a hard time. 
And I was thinking to myself and literally said in my heart and whispered it as I got out of the car, Lord, please help me to represent you to these kids because they're tired, they're stressed. They don't even know what they're thinking or feeling right now. But I will forever create a moment in this moment in their life. If I yell or scream or act in anger or threaten rather than approach them in grace and patience and in kindness like you do to me over and over and over again. This is happening very quick. And I thank God, I didn't respond the way my flesh wanted to respond. I responded the way the Spirit wanted me to respond. And the reason that I did it is because I began that conversation with God about five years ago. Now, my oldest is 11. Getting too old. I'm too old for that. Which means for the first five years of his life, I didn't always respond the way I wanted to. And it was some of those iceberg moments coming out of me that made me go, this is not how I want to handle these situations the rest of my life. Sometimes pain and blowing it could be your greatest access to going, am I who I want to be? Is this who God has called me to be? See, you could keep going down that path or you could say, I need help to do this differently. Let's go back and look at Proverbs 4, that verse 23. But let's look at the verses before it and see what it says. Here, the writer, we believe it's probably Solomon, and he's probably writing to his children, but even if that were incorrect, because there's some question about that, let's just take a look for a moment. Proverbs chapter 4, he says this. My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Or to put it in Jesus' words, Luke chapter 6, 45. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Perhaps the best way to summarize all of this, my little marching orders for you today, filling your heart is better than filtering your mouth. I'm gonna say that again because I hope that's as deep as it felt. Filling your heart with the good things of God is better than filtering your mouth because at some point your mouth filter will break down, which is why your heart filter has to be in a good place. So be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be careful, little ears, what you hear because the Father up above is looking down with love. So be careful, little eyes, little mouth. What I wanna do right now is we're gonna take communion. And we're not going to take it all together like we had the last month or so. What I'm going to do is I'm going to start a prayer, and I'm going to hand it to you. If you're at home right now, this would be a good time to run to the fridge and grab communion if you didn't already bring it. And I'm going to start a prayer, and I'm going to hand it to you. And because I don't know exactly where this message falls, but I've been praying all morning and all week, God, use this in our lives. My guess is this message falls in some place or another for you. Now, I hear you getting out your communion cups, but let me just wrap this up real quick. On my way back from Cleveland, uh, my dad picked me up at the airport and drove me back to his house in Akron, Ohio, in that area. 
And um, while we were in the car, my dad and I were just telling stories back and forth. And my dad tells me this story, and I was like, Dad, that is perfect. He tells me this story about this football player, former NFL player who became a Christian. And he tells, my dad's telling the story, he thinks it's funny, like, oh, it's a great Friday sermon. And the story is this, this guy is in some sort of sports bar or bar, and this guy is starting to start stuff with him. And the old him, the iceberg parts of him, wants to come out in that moment, but he's recently given his life to the Lord. And the guy at some point pours a beer over the man's head. And the guy, the football player, former football player, he says out loud, thank you. And the guy says, what are you thanking me for? I just poured a beer on your head. And the guy says, I wasn't talking to you. I was thanking Jesus for giving me the strength not to pulverize you. (laughs) Here's the thing. Some of you have been trying to filter your body and your mouth for a long time, and it just isn't working. You need a heart transformation that can only come by the blood of Jesus Christ. You need a power bigger than you to give you what you can't get on your own. If you're watching at home right now, you could text the number 317-565-4911. We wanna tell you about Jesus. You can actually respond in the chat if you're actually live right now on our website. If you're in the room, look, go to our Connect Hub as soon as the service is done and just say, I need to know more about this Jesus guy because I'm telling you, sooner or later, you gotta swallow your pride and say, I can't do this on my own. Let's pray, and then I'm gonna hand it over to you, and here's what I want you to do in this communion time. I just want you to ask Jesus, Jesus, what do I do with all that I have heard today? And I'm gonna trust the Holy Spirit to speak to you, so let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. This is going to be an amazingly hard series. (laughs) God, because there are things in us that we don't always want to deal with. It's so easy to fight or to flight. It is so much easier to deal with it that way than it is to dig in and look at somebody else and say, I need help. Or to look at somebody else and say, you hurt me when you do these things. Oh God, but so much healing can come, Father, if we will just surrender to you and let you direct our steps. So God, right now we come to you and we come to you in the full grace and mercy that we need that is ours and available to us in Jesus Christ and we come to you and ask you to meet us in this place, wash away our sins, but God, lead us in the way of everlasting life. Don't let us just keep going through life fumbling and bumbling and stumbling along, but God, let us come to you right now with humility and open arms and receive all that you have for us. So God, meet us now and speak in Jesus' name.